0: The Apartment Store. A story for Christmas. Written and read by Tobias Sturt. Chapter Six. The Plan. Part Two. Lydia ran down to the Olympic to tell Artie the good news to discover he and Mr. M having an in-depth discussion of where the out-of-date tins of peas should go. Archie was very much in favour of the bin, Mr M was not. They had cleared the aisle that led to the door at the back of the shop, that would be the main entrance to the Christmas department, and filled the shelves with Mr M's old Christmas display and more. But it still didn't feel quite appropriately festive or inviting enough. It didn't feel like they would be leading people into a magical world. It felt like they were leading people on a roundabout journey to the deli counter. Lydia fetched down Mrs M and they set about redecorating the aisle as Mr M and Artie carried on shifting about the goods around them. The most important thing was the door to the stairs. They spread cotton wool, snow across the lintel, trained tinsel down the edges and placed a candle on either side. This was the way in, after all. It had to promise what was going to be found upstairs. Then they set to work on the shelves, edging them with cotton wool and silver glitter to make them shine having to fight Mr M every step of the way as he fretted about whether people would actually see the things on the shelves past all the decoration. Lydia went to the front of the shop and looked at it. A snowy path leading down between the shelves to a mysterious door at the end. Not bad. Not bad at all. Where's Dad? She suddenly realised that her father wasn't at the till. "'He's outside, helping Mr Krebs and Feruza,' said Artie. "'Go and take a look. I think you'll like it.' She had been working inside all day, and the early winter evening was already drawing in. The sun was going down, and the streetlights were already coming on. Outside the front of the building, Dorr and Mr Krebs were both up on ladders. Dorr was tinkering with something hung on the front door, while Mr Krebs was fooling around under a covering with something fixed above the front of the Olympic. Feruza rushed at Lydia and turned around to face the windows of the Olympic. Wait, wait, I'm almost there, she said. Go and fetch everyone else. Everyone, go on. Lydia ran back into the building and thundered up the stairs, all the way to up to the attic, where George Joseph was sitting, surrounded by neatly stacked filing boxes and precisely arranged pencils, listening to the sports scores and cleaning a pair of boots. Feruza says you are to come down outside and see something, she gasped, out of breath from the climb, but before he could reply was off again. Downstairs, Ivy was sitting in a huge cloud of bright golden tulle, arranging beads into containers and singing to herself. I'm not finished, Lydia. I've still... well, most of it to go, to be honest. Ferruza wants to show us something. She said to get everyone. John was already coming out of their apartment onto the landing. I heard the golden nightingale of the evening calls up at me window. I'm to fetch the Mrs. Plaisance. You get on down.' Lydia raced on down, Ivy following, to find all the M's and George Joseph already gathered on the pavement outside the building, all looking back at the front of the Olympic. She joined them, and discovered that her father was still up a ladder at the top of the steps leading to the front door. Whatever he had been working on was covered up now. Mr. Krabs, meanwhile, was back on the ground, holding a rope attached to a tarpaulin that was stretched across the top of the windows of the Olympic. John came out with the Mrs. Plaisance, and the three of them picked their way under Dawes' ladders to join everyone else. Artie stepped out of the Olympic and climbed to the top of the steps. Ladies and gentlemen, owners, founders and inventors of this wonderful idea, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Mr. Krebs, if you please. Mr. Krebs pulled on his rope and not unravelled, the tarpaulin unfurled and fell. A light flickered on, and there, revealed, was a huge yellow and black sign across the front of the building that read, The Lydian Apartment Store. Lydia gasped in astonishment. Door, your turn, I think, said Artie. And door pulled at the covering over the top of the door, turned a switch, and another sign burst into light. This, though, was not a name. It was a little girl in a black dress, carrying a bright yellow illuminated shopping bag, and a mechanism in the sign swung her arm back and forth, lifting the bag up and round and back in a never-ending swoop, and on the bag was written the word, Lydian. The Lydian, ladies and gentlemen, said Artie, the very first and only apartment store in all the world. Lydia woke early the next morning. In fact, she had barely been asleep at all. It had felt like she had been awake all night thinking about the Lydian and everything it could be. Finally, she could stand it no more and got up. It was still dark outside and the building was silent, apart from the sound of her father snoring from next door. She sat on the side of her bed, fully dressed, trying to wait for everyone else to wake up. No one stirred. Birds outside on the roofs of the town started to sing sleepily. A dim light began to filter in under the curtains. Inside the house, all was still. It was infuriating. How could they all sleep? A door opened and closed. Then someone crossed the landing and went softly down the stairs. It could only be Artie. She got up off the bed, opened the door, tiptoed past where her father snorted on top of his ramshackle wardrobe desk, and left the apartment. Far downstairs, she heard the front door close quietly. She went down the stairs as carefully as she could, skipping the steps that creaked, trying to stay on the threadbare carpet on the landings instead of the floorboards. Outside the front door, she stopped at the top of the stairs. Artie was standing on the pavement, looking back at the building, smoking a cigar. Morning, he said, and waved the glowing stub at her. I realised I was saving this cigar for a special occasion, and that I wasn't likely to find an occasion any more special than this, I figured, so, well... Here I am, and here you are, Lydia of the Lydian. Opening day. Never could sleep, either, not on days like this. Too exciting. So much to do. First day of the Lydian. Lydia joined him on the pavement, looking up at the name and the sign of the little girl. Is that supposed to be me? She said. I guess so, said Artie. Your father made it, though it looks younger than you are now, if you ask me. Was it your idea to call the store the Lydian? She said. It was. It was. "'It's your idea, after all, your store, in many ways,' said Artie. "'So it's only right. But it's not just because it's your name. "'You know where your name comes from?' "'Dad says a tattooed lady,' said Lydia. "'Well, uh, yes, there's that too,' Artie nodded. "'But there's also the ancient kingdom of Lydia. "'They had a famous king called Croesus, who was so fantastically wealthy "'that even today, thousands of years later, "'people still remember his name and use it as a watchword.' I, in my time, have been called rich as Croesus. So I looked him up. Know why he was so famously rich? The Lydians invented coins. Truly, the first actual coin money came from Lydia. They had gold mines, you see, but they invented something else. They invented shops. Not just markets or bazaars, shops. Places where you went to buy things. The Lydians invented that. The very first shopping. That's why. The Lydian. The very first of its kind. An apartment store. Unique in the world. Invented by Lydia. "'It's amazing,' said Lydia. "'It's an amazing idea,' said Artie. "'That's yours. But isn't it an amazing thing? That's down to everyone else. That's what happens next.' With a rattle and a bang, the shutters on the front of the Olympic rolled up, and Mr. M stepped out. "'Good morning,' he called to them. "'Would you like a cup of coffee?' "'Morning,' said Artie, "'and I'd love one.' Mr. M went back inside. "'But don't be surprised "'if nothing happens next,' said Artie. "'These things take time. "'There's always waiting. "'You have to think about it "'like Christmas Eve, "'like you have to wait "'through the boring bit "'before the fun begins.' "'The front door opened "'and George Joseph came shivering "'down the steps in his shorts. "'Morning!' he said, "'and then jumped on the spot "'for a moment, "'jerking his arms up and down "'like some strange mechanical toy, "'and then he took off "'down the street,' his bony knees pumping high in front of him as he ran. "'He knows,' said Artie. "'If you asked George Joseph what he was training for, I doubt he could tell you, but some day the moment will come and all that boring preparation will pay off.' There was the sound of someone knocking on glass, and they looked up to find the Mrs. Plaisant standing in the conservatory, waving down at them. They waved back. "'You see?' We haven't done any advertising. We haven't done any publicity. There's no queue out here waiting to get in, just you and me, Artie gestured at the empty street. Today is not going to be a grand opening. It's going to be slow. All we have is word of mouth, and that takes time. What's word of mouth? said Lydia. It means someone comes wandering down the street, and they see that big sign saying the Lydian, and they think, what on earth is that? That wasn't there yesterday, so they come in, and they have one of Granny M's pastries, and, or they see Feruza's cards, or whatever, and they think it's fantastic. And they go away, and they tell a couple of their friends about how great it is, and maybe they come, and they like it, and they tell a couple of their friends. And now we're up to four people, seven in total, and you can see it's not going very well. Fast, "'and this is only if they all have a great time "'and tell people, and those people come.' "'The door of the Olympic opened, "'and Dor came out, carrying a cup of coffee. "'Aha! There you are, Lydia of the Lydian. "'Want some breakfast?' "'He handed the cup to Artie. "'Mr. M said you wanted coffee.' "'Hey, Dor!' "'John had appeared on their balcony above the M's apartment. "'I have bagels. Catch!' "'He dropped a brown paper bag down the side of the building, "'and Dor jumped to catch it. "'Morning all!' "'John waved at them and disappeared back inside.' Dor fished a bagel out of the bag and waved it at Lydia. Egg? Egg. He went back inside the Olympic. We'll get there, though, Artie slurped at his coffee. It's too good an idea not to succeed. I feel it in my waters. It'll happen. You mark my words. A window opened far above them and steam billowed out. Ivy was getting out of the shower. The Lydian was opening for business. Where else to start but the Christmas department itself, where the whole thing had begun. As Lydia went through the strange door at the back of the mini-supermarket, she could hear voices coming down the stairs. Had someone come to the Lydian already? Did they already have a customer? She raced up the steps in excitement and ran into the M's front room, only to discover Mrs. Krebs perched on an armchair in front of the fire, with the little M's gathered in front of her, fascinated by their visitor. Ah, the little girl Lydia, said Mrs. Krebs as Lydia came in. I'm told that a lot of this is your work. "'I helped Mrs. M,' said Lydia, as the woman herself came into the room carrying a big plate of Granny M's pastries. "'Well, it's very well done, whoever did it. Properly gaudy and old-fashioned,' said Mrs. Krebs. "'I can't put up decorations myself, not being able to get about well. "'Stanislas had to carry me up here today, and I can never get him to put them up properly.' "'Lydia,' said Mrs. M, "'would you take Mrs. Krebs and baklava?' "'It reminds me of when I was a little girl, about the age of these two,' Mrs. Krebs took the plate Lydia handed her. Of that one, certainly. Of course, I couldn't sit in a lovely room like this all day when I was their age. I had to work, I did. Embroidery, you know. I still get pains in my fingers from it in this weather. And Christmas was just one day. Not all this fuss they make now. One day. But that made it special. Like this room. A strange day, outside of all the others. Made of red and gold. This is very good. Did you make this, Mrs. M? My husband's mother, said Mrs. M. Ah, yes, the old lady. Is she here? "'asked Mrs Krebs. "'I think she went upstairs,' said Mrs M. "'I'll go and see,' said Lydia, "'eager to seize the excuse "'and escape Mrs Krebs's ancient Christmases, "'and she raced from the room once more. "'There was a sign on the landing that said "'Basement, Furniture, Ground, Groceries, "'Dry Goods, Supplies, Food to Go. "'Floor 1, Christmas Department, Food and Drink. "'Floor 2, Art, Stationery, Cookery. "'Floor 3, Ladies' Fashion. "'Floor 4, Accounts and Management.' "'And at the top of the stairs was a giant number.' 3. John and Feruza's apartment door was open and over it was written, Art and stationery, cookery. Inside, the living room had been tidied up. Most of the books had been moved from the shelves and replaced with sheafs of paper and card. The walls were now decorated with Feruza's own pictures. The dining table had been fully extended and put in the middle of the room to make a sort of counter. Feruza sat behind it, filling in a drawing of a robin with watercolour. There were voices coming from the kitchen. Don't mind me, said Feruza. I'm just the window dressing. The main action is in there. They're arguing about what cake they want me to draw. She pointed at the kitchen. I like the robin, said Lydia. They're little thugs, really, said Feruza. Horrid little birds. Lydia went through into the kitchen. Granny M and John were standing over a kitchen table covered in ingredients, with a selection of cookbooks open in front of them. Lydia, what do you think? said John as he saw her come in. I say a Christmas pudding has to be made weeks beforehand and preferably fed regularly as well. But Granny M says she has a recipe that can be made on the day, which sounds like actual heresy to me. What do you think? For recipe, for selling, said Granny, jabbing her finger at a notebook in her hand. Not weeks ago now. is practical for people. I'm afraid Granny M is probably right, said Lydia. If people are buying a pudding recipe now, there aren't actually weeks for it to be fed in, which makes it sound like some kind of... Horrible monster, incidentally. But this thing is horrid, said John. There's no brandy in it or anything. This is a recipe for a Christmas disappointment, not a pudding. You can fix it, I'm sure, said Lydia. Can I at least use brandy, said John to Granny M. Calvados, she said, is best. Now we're talking, said John, happily starting to make notes. Lydia went on upstairs to ladies' fashion. The ladies, in this case the Mrs. Plaisance, were perched on upturned wooden tea crates, leaning over to watch over Ivy's shoulder. She was sitting cross-legged on the floor, surrounded by scissors and thread and off-cuts of material, peering through a magnifying glass at a dress. It was one of a pair in a bright, shiny blue fabric, covered all over with a silver pattern of delicate curves. At the tip of each was a tiny orange flower. Lydia, dear, said Peony, we bought some dresses for Ivy to have a look at. This is Indian sari fabric, said Ivy, made into a dress. It's fascinating. We bought it in Calcutta, said Peony, and then we had to take some of our other dresses to the dressmaker so that she could understand what we wanted. It was so hot, said Pansy, that I fainted, and an elephant picked me up and carried me away. He put you in the car, said Peony, very kindly, so we could take you home. An elephant, said Lydia, not quite believing it. So what they've done, said Ivy, turning the dress inside out, is made a bodice and then sewn the skirt onto that. But look how they've matched the pattern up. And they've given themselves some space with the waistband. Almost empire line. But then they've still managed to keep it running the length of the thing. It all starts from the darts, you see, because that's where the pattern gets folded in on itself. Elephants are very clever, you know, George Joseph told me. I wonder how George Joseph is doing, said Lydia. He carried you all of a couple of feet, said Peony. Just picked you up and popped you into the car. She laughed so hard, the dressmaker, said Pansy. She couldn't understand why we didn't want clothes like everybody else there. Lydia left them to the examination of history and the making of their dresses and went on up the winding stairs to the attic. On the landing, she found Mr. Krebs screwing a bell onto the dumb waiter. He was worried he wouldn't hear it, he said, nodding his head in the direction of Artie's apartment and George Joseph. Coming up with the money, so there's a bell. We'll know when you get to bed now and all. And for the first time in her whole life, Mr. Krebs smiled at her. At least, she assumed that's what it was. His face sort of cracked open and showed his teeth to her. It was, frankly, alarming. But she had the presence of mind to smile back. I was just going to pop in to see him, she said. George Joseph, I mean. You go ahead, said Mr. Krebs. I ain't stopping you. His face folded back into his customary scowl, and he went back to fixing the bell. George Joseph had made a sort of desk by propping a plank across two chairs, and he was sat on the edge of the bed, leaning on it, pencil in hand, staring into space. "'What's happening, George Joseph?' said Lydia, opening the door. "'Nothing!' he yelped guiltily. "'I'm doing nothing! I I was doing nothing!' "'No!' said Lydia. "'I mean in the Lydian, in the store.' "'Oh, that!' said George Joseph. "'Well, nothing there, either. Nothing. "'I mean, the dumbwaiter hasn't moved because there haven't been any sales, "'because there haven't been any customers, I can only assume.' I am only assuming that, based on the fact that nothing has happened and I have done nothing. Everyone's just visiting each other, said Lydia. It's all just the people from the building. It's no good, said George Joseph. Even if they spend money, they'll just be paying it to themselves in the end. They're not even buying anything, said Lydia. They're just talking, mostly. They could do that any day. Artie says we have to wait, though. Says we need word of mouth. Wait for how long, said George Joseph. I thought this was supposed to be a business. If we're not making any money, we're not a business, in which case, what are we waiting for? This is a good question, said Artie, bounding into the room, to which I might have the answer. Dawn tells me you cut hair, George Joseph. He always cuts mine, said Lydia. He's very good. Evening classes, said George Joseph. Just the basics, though. Nothing complex. Just cutting hair, men, women, and children. I thought I ought to have a backup, Second career, you know. You were worried accountancy was a bit of a gamble? asked Artie. Hair never stops growing. George Joseph patted his own thinning scalp. Mostly. It's steady work. This is Ferruza's drawing of the Lydian girl, the one Dor made the sign out of. Artie handed the piece of paper to George Joseph. Do you think you can cut Lydia's hair to match it? Why do I have to have my hair cut like that? asked Lydia. It's old-fashioned. Because we want people to talk about the Lydian, said Artie, and you are going to be what they talk about. I'm afraid Ivy's already altering one of your dresses. Trust me, he gave her a wink. It's a good plan, I swear. The apartment store was written and read by me, Tobias Sturt. The music is Tchaikovsky, the Christmas tree from the Nutcracker, sourced from muzzopen.com. You can find more at Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review us if you'd like. We're also on Stitcher, and Soundcloud, and, of course, at our website, roritania.co.uk slash stories. And thank you for listening.